0: thanks so much for tuning in to the second episode of story time with brandon i'm brandon patrick today on the show we've got jeremy ricci what is jeremy ricci he's a comedian he's a performer he's a promoter he's a husband he's a dog owner a car owner a playstation five guy he's also a good friend and today on the show he talks about some of the darkest times of his entire life uh just a a a two to three year period of just unrelenting shit that he managed to get through and he's not unrealistic about it he tells you how he got through it and you know who was around and and what he lost and I, i think it's just a really fascinating story and i can't wait to bring it to you and as luck would have it we're bringing it to you right now enjoy
1: so i'll kick this off right at 2012 it's like january 2012 um and I'm separate. Well, I'm getting ready. I made the decision. I'm like, I'm getting out of the army. Okay. Um, done. You know, I was in the army reserve at this point, and it's like, How you long? know what, I, uh, twelve years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so a minute, a hot minute, as you most people right would before be. 9-11. Yeah, yeah, I joined in uh, actually right after 9-11. Okay. So, yeah, it was fucking crazy. Um, uh, I joined on November of two thousand one. Okay. And that's, wow. that's a crazy story in itself because it turns out if you're at the bottom of your graduating class and a guy in an army suit says, do you want free pizza? You just end up in the army. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just how it goes. So yeah, I joined the army. I was in for 12 years and then right around 2010, I was like, you know what this, I don't think this is for me anymore. So, uh, you know, two more years go by and 2012 rolls around and I'm in my last year in the army reserve. So I, I get out and I'm like, I'm going to college. I, and, you know, I, I wanted to do software engineering. I don't know why I got that in my head that that's what an army grunt would want to do um, yeah. who graduated at the bottom of his class. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a software engineer and work on video games. So, uh, yeah, 2012 goes first two semesters go killer. It's so easy. I got like a three, eight GPA. Everything's good. And then 2013 rolls around. Um, and I'm like, you know what, I got to get a job because I just been, you know, had my, my military tuition assistance and all that other stuff. And by this point, I'm completely separated. So um, I'm fully out of the army now. And I was like, I need a job. So I got a job at the, the university gym, right, sure. uh, which is dope. It's all right. You know, it pays minimum wage. Um, but socially, it was the coolest job because when I went to when I was going to school, you know, I'm a. Uh, a third you know at this point 29 year old going to college with 18 to 21 year olds and i have no way to like really make friends and like i'd gone to like the veteran center and shits but like all of those guys um were just into way different shit than i was into we weren't we weren't vibing at all so yeah i got a job at the uh the university gym and i was cool man i met i met a lot of people and it was really dope and i remember uh it was weird because they were like, well, are you going to be able to take orders from, you know, or or be under somebody who's younger than you? I was like, dude, that's 90% of your time in the army. Right. You know what I mean? Like literally somebody graduates from college at 21 as an officer. And I have to say, yes, sir. I have to salute standard. Like this is not new to me. I'm used to like fucking sucking up to people who are 21, you know, you get a
0: degree and you go to the military, you're an officer, right? You still have to go through boot camp, but you're,
1: Right. Yeah. So, so it depends. I mean, if you, if you have a degree and you join, um, if you don't go through ROTC, then you don't come as an officer, but it's an easy path. So it's not a big deal. Like if you have a degree and then you sign up, you can be enlisted. And then, you know, a year later, you can just go to OCS, which is like officer candidate school, and then you can make way more money than everyone else. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's fucking wild. Um, So July, 2013, um, I'm working at the gym and I decided that I wanted to have the most bomb birthday party I could have at 30 years old. Uh, cause I never got a college experience, you know? So I threw a kegger, um, with like, I, I, uh, I was to say it was like a hundred people, um, mm-hmm. that worked Cause at the gym that I worked at, they employed like, uh, 125 people between like the gym and intramurals and the swimming pool and everything else. Oh, that's, so I, was just, I remember
0: like intramurals, refs, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. All those
1: people. <laughs> so I was just invited everybody. I was like, Hey, if you want to come, come. And so I had like a hundred people in my three bedroom house with my roommates. Um, and you know, like a lot of these people are not 21 years old, but I was like, fuck it, man, we're going to have fun. We're going to do this thing. We're going to get down to the nitty gritty. And that's kind of where all the problems like kick off with everything for the next few years, because it was fucking incredible. It was so much fun. I yeah. mean, if you can just imagine like I didn't have a college I went straight into professionalism in the army so yeah. I went from like high school to professionalism I had no college life so it's it's almost like uh, if you go your whole life without cocaine and then somebody's like hey man I got this this thing you should try and you're like fuck why did I not try this earlier yeah, this is yeah. amazing
0: I love that's, this
1: dude that's like exactly what it was it was straight cocaine for me um, I remember those so then, days I used to do yeah. that <laughs> So I just started partying like all the time with all these kids that like, you know, I my coworkers and stuff. And we party constantly. I mean, it was like three to four days a week. We were like going out to the bars, with, you know, getting drinks, you know, having house parties, whatever. Um, and then I, I think it was around February, a little bit earlier that year, I had just started doing stand-up standup uh, for the first time. And I was, I mean, like anybody's dog shit, you know, um, but yeah, I just invite people out to shows and then we party and it was constant all the time. So I do that for the rest of 2013 and then 2014 rolls around and I am running out of all my nest egg money. I have partied all of that away from the army. <laughs> I think I had, uh, like probably about like $20,000 that I had saved to like, have was like, this is my money for that will life. get me through college. Yeah. Um, and I spent all of it Ooh. and I spent like, none of it on the stuff I should have been spending it on. Right. Like paying off my car, none of that. So by the time 2014 hits, I have no more money in my, I mean, it's like $500 and I'm still getting my, um, my GI bill, you know, so I'm not like totally broke, but I've spent everything. So I, uh, I decide like, shit, I like I need to replenish that. And since I've been doing comedy for a year and I, I felt like I was hot shit. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's everybody. Right. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put out a comedy album that I can put on Spotify and everything will go fucking tight. It's going to be good. I'm great. So I started this Kickstarter and uh, for, and I was like, I'll just do $5,000 and that should be enough for me to do a comedy album. So I start this Kickstarter and it gets funded and I can't believe it. So yeah. then I put in some stretch goals and I think I ended up raising about $6,500 altogether
0: holy shit um, that that's enough to do an album for sure
1: yeah so uh so what i decided to do was i was like got a couple of my friends from you know that i knew that did comedy like a uh, a good friend of mine uh kill theodric who's a dope guy he lives out in la now he's pretty fucking crazy though um and a couple other friends and i'm like hey look here's what we're going to do we're going to go to kansas city chicago pennsylvania and new york city and we're going to do open mics or stand up in each one of these cities yeah um and we're gonna film it, and we're gonna make a little mini documentary, and then at the end, I'm gonna do a comedy album, and I'm gonna be hot shit, and you guys are gonna help me get there. So, I fund the Kickstarter. We go on the tour. Uh, I bomb in every single city over and over and over again. I just eat shit. New York was the roughest. New York's um, the
0: worst city to do. Yeah, like, yeah if you're not, <laughs> if you're not a name, dude, they could really give a shit.
1: Yeah, um, I go to New York and like. The funny thing is uh is like i go to the the first and i was like oh man this joke is gonna kill so i go to the first open mic that night and i'm like what's up guys like i'm traveling around i'm actually here from manhattan kansas and it like just i mean now i look back i'm a fucking idiot but it's fucking crickets and i'm like oh shit so and it was at a uh, laughing buddha open mic okay which is like i don't know if you ever heard but like at the time at least it's like a really good open mics they have very strict rules like you can't look at your phone like most of the people there are comedians but the audience is is great because they f- have rules that everybody has to pay attention so i felt really lucky to be on that mic and i just ate shit and the the person running it afterwards as i'm getting off the stage walking out just goes hey man um i'll probably stay in kansas for another 10 to 15 and then and then you could try new york 10 to 15 (laughs) (laughs) bro that was supposed to be
0: friendly advice
1: that's yeah 10 to 15 so so that that hit hard and i was like okay maybe i'm not supposed to do this so um at this point like i'm really down on myself and i'm like this there's no way i'm gonna put out a comedy album that anybody's gonna like because for, you know, a year, it's just been like my friends and acquaintances and people that knew me. So like everybody laughs at your shit for courtesy. But when you're a year in, you have no idea that's happening. You just think you're funny. You think you're killing it. Oh, yeah, dude. I I thought I was literally the funniest comic in Manhattan. And everything I was doing was all lord bullshit, you know, abortion jokes and just the stereotypical shit. Everybody, well, not everybody, but uh, a male white guy would do in their first year who doesn't know any better. For so, sure. Uh, that was like my yeah. first five, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I got really depressed and I was like, man, I'm not gonna be able to do this. So I, um, I start failing out of college after this real hard. Um, I just like disconnect bad from college and start like partying at this point. I've like broken up with a girl that I was dating for like six years prior to that. Um, so we break it off and I start like binge drinking real hard, um, harder than I was before, if you can believe. I mean, we're talking like blackout, drunk, walking two and a half miles home at like three in the morning in the winter. Um, Just really rough stuff. So uh, in May, I film, I'm like, all right, I got to film this comedy special to deliver to the people who paid me all this money. Yeah. So I, uh, I film it and I'm like, I'll call it, let's get weird. Right. And I want to say about 15 people showed up Um, (laughs) and it's, it's 15 people who are spread all across the, this big-ass room. I don't know if you ever did a show with me at uh, Aggie Central Station. Um, I know you did Cat yeah. House with me, but similar I space, have. huge, and it was just fucking empty.
0: That's where I they mean, have those uh, speakers with the lights in them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, exactly. every time you talk, it turns different colors. <laughs> right, yeah, it's fucking I remember annoying that. That's when I did, uh... That's when I did dabs for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I did that show. Tight. Dude, that's the... That. Uh, yeah, it was fun. That's a way to
1: do that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. They do an album, 15 people, super spread out. Do an album, for 15 people. And I'm like, I'll do a 30-minute album. Um, I probably had, I'd say, 15 minutes of material. Yeah. Uh, five of it was good. And then 10 of it was maybe, like, drinking water, waiting for applause breaks, trying to talk to the audience for some reason. Like, I didn't yeah. know how crowd work worked out um and it's just it's terrible it's the worst thing i literally i've deleted every i haven't deleted everything i've locked it up in a vault but like i still published it to people and i was like fuck man i should have never done that should have never gave anybody keys to that car did you do um, physicals or did you do digital no i only did digital um, okay that's so, better yeah, yeah. So, and, and I don't probably
0: think, gotten new computers since then. And
1: yeah, and I, I think most of those people probably didn't listen to it. You know, their friends and family who like gave me money, so I wasn't sweating it too bad. Um, and I'm just like, at this point, like after the comedy, I'm gonna put it out, and the binge drinking is out of control. And then my buddy who works for a prominent video game studio is like, hey, uh, I know that this was your job in the army we've got an opening in this position at our video game studio and it's in California, you know, and it's not like a studio of like 20 people. It's like a 250 person, like big video game studio with a lot of blockbuster titles. And the job was in like human resources, like paperwork and shit.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. Um,
1: so I do the first interview and it's, it's bang up goes really great. So the second interview we do, and it's a zoom interview. And I think it goes great. And I end up not getting the job, um, which is understandable, right? Uh, they, cause if they didn't get the job, that just means they probably hired somebody with the experience or qualifications that they needed or wanted understandable, no, no hard feelings, but at the time my brain just wasn't wired for that. Right. Uh, so I like, this is like, I bomb out hard, um, that night, I go out with a buddy of mine. We'll call him Brian. We're not going to use real names. Right, right. And uh, we go to this little tiny bar in Manhattan, Kansas called Tubby's. And Tubby's had 50 cent fireball shots. Yeah. So so Brian gives, gives the, uh, the bartender like, I think it was like a 20. And he's like, just, just give us everything you got. Um, we'll just drink all of it. It's fine. So the la- that's about what I remember. The next thing I remember from that night is, uh, I wake up and I'm outside and this is, you know, mind you, this is July in Kansas. So it's like, you know, 105 degrees or something by morning, it's like 95. So I wake up passed out outside on a porch with no shoes on. And my ankle is the size of a grapefruit.
0: Oh no! So,
1: yeah, yeah. So, so I'm looking around trying to like get my bearings. I can't find my phone anywhere. And, uh, I look back and I see a sock in the yard and then a little further out, I see like another sock. And then at the gate, I see one shoe. And then in like the middle of the street, I see my other shoe. So the only thing I was like, okay, uh, obviously I was drunk enough that I walked into this yard thinking it was maybe my bedroom and just started taking my shoes off to get some sleep. So I pass out. I'm like, okay, well, I've, I have to be at this house for a reason. Like maybe I know somebody here. So I knock on the back door and nobody answers. I go to the, I hobble to the front door and knock on the front door. Nobody answers. So I sit down on the porch for a minute and I'm just trying to think like, if I know anybody here, where is my phone? What the fuck happened last night? And I knock again on the door and I see the curtains move. So I'm like, fucking somebody's here. So I'm knocking and I have no idea what time it is. The door opens and you know, it stops on a chain lock. And yeah, this, yeah. the lady is, I'd say she's got to be in her eighties. I mean, oxygen hose in her nose and she opens the door and she says, can I help you? I just like, I panicked and I was like, uh, Oh, this is, this is the wrong house. I actually don't know who lives here. I got to go. Uh, thank you so much. I'm sorry. And I hobble away and I may, I maybe make it like two blocks and a cop car comes up behind me and the dude's like, Hey man, um, we got a call from it from an old lady yep. on Bluemont. She Said there's a, a confused young man walking around here with a hurt ankle. Um, would that happen to be you? Do you know anything about that? And I just I was like, Look, man, um, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. I'm just trying to get home. And he's like, Well, how far do you live? About two miles away. So he's like, Let me, me give you a ride. So this cop is giving me a ride. I'm in the back seat of the car, you know, it's always and he's scary, like, Normal, yeah, oh, dude, I was like, I was like, There's no way this guy's taking me home, right? Because they're like, the setup. You can't sit in
0: the front legally. Yeah. So you got to get in the back.
1: <laughs> so I get in the back seat and the cop's driving me home and he's like, Hey man, I gotta be honest with you. Uh, you, you don't got to sweat this too much. Okay. This shit happens all the time in this town. And I was like, really, man, this happens all the time. He's like, yeah, it happens all the time. And I was like, so you're telling me that people in their thirties black out with college students, <laughs> sprain their ankle, fall asleep on an old lady's porch and then get rides home from the cops. And he's like, yeah, that, uh, well, that never happens at right. all um, to people who should know better. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck that. That's sobering. <laughs> so and this this cop was actually a former uh, football player for K-State, you know. OK. And the whole time he's like trying to reassure me that it's OK. He's like, look, man, like, you know, it happens to the best of us. Don't don't beat yourself up. I'm like, man. I'm going to beat myself up about this. There's there's no way a reasonable human being blacks out and wakes up on a porch with half his clothes missing and no phone. And it's just like, yeah, this is fine. This
0: yeah, happens. Through this, this is fine.
1: It's a speed bump. I'll be okay. So I get home and this is all happening, by the way, It's 6 a.m. It's like six in the morning. The sun has just Ooh. come up. Uh, I get home and then I realize what time it is. Okay. I got I to take a nap because I have to work at 10. So I go take a nap. I wake up at like 945. And I'm I'm still like I reek of alcohol. I still have like that that next morning intoxication. It's just not a hangover yet. It's but it's not blackout drunk. And uh, I go into work and immediately get fired. Like it's I'm there for like thirty minutes, and my boss is like, "You got to go home. You can't be here." You know, you, I could smell the alcohol on you, and I'm six feet away. Wow. So, yeah. Fired you. So, yeah, just straight up. So, so I, I walk no, home. Like
0: warnings no nothing like that it was just like you're done
1: yeah well basically he was like here's the deal is like we can either because i had been promoted by this point to the supervisor which is even worse um a building supervisor so i was kind of like overseeing everybody so was like here's the deal uh we can either bust you down and you're gonna get minimum wage and we got to take you down to like five hours a week or we have to fire you and i was like i that doesn't make any sense and he was like well you, you gotta go home i was like well like, I don't get like a chance. He's like, no, that, those are your options. I was like, I'm not going to make like five hours a week is going to pay my bills. I don't have that money. So he fired me. Um, super sympathetic, but no, I don't have any in high. At the moment, man, I was pissed. I was like, these of fuckers course. set me up. But now I look back on it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, that'll, uh, that'll do it. If you just show up drunk to a job and you can't walk or perform any of your functions like, yeah, that's really any other job is make. Like, yeah, you got, you got to go. I would have called in. I'm going to be honest. I would have been like, Hey man, (laughs) uh, my
0: dog's not looking too good or something, but you you trekked it in. You went in.
1: Yeah. Um, So that's in, this is like in July by August, school is getting ready to start. um, And I can't get financial aid anymore because my GPA is too low um, to get like my army tuition and all that other stuff. And I can't get financial aid from the government because I hadn't filed my taxes and like all this other shit that, you know, when you just, when your life crashes and implodes, you just don't do anything. Yeah. Uh, so eventually I can't pay bills. I get evicted from my house. Um, so I have to sell off pretty much everything I own. Um, so I, I sell off everything except for like my laptop, my camera, and like a couple of other, like, like a couple of things that I can use to produce content as it were. Right um but like all my video games my playstations all that shit sold everything i have a bed uh and i had to put it all just into a friend's like storage room because i don't have anywhere to live um so i move in with my friend sean uh and i'm living on his futon i have a duffel bag and a backpack and i'm trying to go to school but i can't pay any of the bills so i get kicked out of college um because you know you don't pay your bills they just like yeah you can't i mean you can still go you know you know that you can still go and learn yeah you just don't get a grade. it great just doesn't count exactly and that's so the wild why the thing fuck would you do it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um a month after this i get a phone call and it's this guy and he's like hey man um or, sorry it's a text message he's like hey man i need to come pick up your car I'm like well why the fuck would you need to come pick up my car and he's like well i'm, I'm the repo officer for your bank i need to come get your car.'" And I don't know if it was just that I had, like, lacked any serious um, human connection at this point. But I was way too friendly to the guy that was taking the car that I hadn't been paying for. Um, Like, I set up a time to meet him to swap cars. And I offered to, like, get him a sandwich for some reason. Wow. Like, I'm literally, like, in, in my friend Sean's house, sitting on the futon, the guy shows up. And I'm like giving him the keys and like cleaning the stuff out of the car. And I was like, can I get you like a sandwich or a water or something? And he, he literally looks at me with the most confused expression. Like, who, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, Yeah, man. <laughs> that guy doesn't
0: deal with nice people.
1: No, no. So, and like, I took, you know, I, I, in hindsight, like I just took it. I was like, yeah, man, take the car. It's obviously I can't pay for it. What am I going to do if I run from the bank? That's dumb. Yeah. So I reposed my car. Um, and now I have no car, I've got no job, no school, no money. I mean, flat broke. So uh my phone is getting ready to get turned off. So it's like I gotta get a job. So, like any addict, I decided the best place I could work was a bar. <laughs> so um, and just to clarify, I wasn't chemically addicted to alcohol, but I was a thousand percent emotionally dependent on alcohol.
0: For sure. I know um, the feeling, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so anytime like something bad happened, like when my car got repoed, uh, I literally went to a bar and I spent my last like $30 I had at the time uh, and I just got blacked out. And you're know, in a college town, like $30 is more than enough to black out.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about the economics <laughs> of what you're doing here. I'm <laughs> It's some serious drinking.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and you know, a lot of the times too, I was like, I would get blackout drunk and just buy drinks for so many people. That happens. You know? Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm, I am a, a very happy drunk. I never get angry. And that's why I became emotionally dependent on it is because like, Oh, well, if I'm like sad, I can just go drink and then I'm going to be happy. I can drink, I can buy 10 people shots. I can hang out with those 10 people and have a great time and feel wanted and valued, whatever. So that's just what I did so much. And I get this job at a bar working as a door guy. Um, and I'd say like, maybe two weeks go by and they're like, we want, we want to make you a bartender. You should be behind the bar. And I was like, Oh, you don't know anything about who I am at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I go to my working behind the bar. I'm learning how to bartend and I meet at this bar. I meet some of the meanest fucking people I have ever met in my life. Really? We are all still best friends to this day. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, Particularly, like, two of these people who later I'll tell you like they like saved my life, um, but we it was just a mean environment, but like lovingly mean, you know. Okay. Um, so I'm like bartending with all these people, and we all drink a lot. And I get to the point where, like, I'm working a Tuesday night, and Tuesday nights in a college town are pretty slow. So I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna sneak in a couple shots, you know, take a couple drinks, have a good time by myself, and starts to get worse and worse and worse. And then I meet this girl. Um, we'll call her Megan. Right. Yeah. I meet this Megan. She's a friend of a friend and uh, we start flirting and we hit it off a little bit. We hook up a couple of times and I'm like, you like realistically I'm homeless. I have yeah. no house. This girl's kind of into me. I should see if we can like make a connection and then I can have a place to live. That would be tight.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I did. Um, That's some 26 year old shit right there.
1: Yeah. So, uh, and that's what I've been doing most of the time is I either stay at Sean's place on his futon, or I would like flirt with some girl and then crash at her house, or I would go to a house party and crash on, you know, I I would just take that risk. I was like, I'm just going to take this risk and crash on this couch or whatever. Um, So I was literally like homeless and just couch surfing for the better part of, I'd probably say about seven or eight months. Um, That's just how I was living. Um, like you
0: we're doing it, man.
1: Yeah. Like the only bill I paid was my phone bill. Everything else went to alcohol. Cause I had no car to pay for, you know? Yeah. So it just went to like, to, to booze or to food or to partying or whatever. And uh so me and Megan are dating and uh this it, it's, it's all right. You know, we're not like super connected. Like we don't have this like vibe, but we're fucking a lot. And things are okay. And then January rolls around, um, of 2015 now. So it's 2015. And, uh, my friend Sean also happens to be an alcoholic also happens to struggle a lot with depression. So, uh, I'm, I'm there chilling out with him one night and we're watching the TV. He's drinking a, like a lot. I mean, by a lot, I mean like a handle of Barton vodka a lot. You know, yeah, 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 and like I'm, you're noticing
0: and, it and you have yeah, got your situation going. Yeah. Like too.
1: And I'm like slamming back like bush light 30 packs. But I'm like, you know, fuck, he's really he's really hitting it hard. Yeah. Um. Then he goes to bed and he just starts playing Lincoln Park really loud in his room. So I just like I stumble back to go check on him and um, this, this gets a little heavy. Uh, he's he's literally like sitting down on the ground. And Sean, for reference, is like I think he's like he was six two or six three, and like two hundred and thirty pounds. He's built like a brick shit house, like just yeah. the biggest human you can imagine. Um, and he's like holding the the Barton's vodka and his pistol, and just wow. sitting on the floor. So I I wrestle, you know, I, I get down. And I'm talking to him, and he doesn't want to give me the pistol. Um, so we're talking and we're talking. Eventually, I kind of talk him down, and I take it from him, and then he wrestles me to get it back. Oof. Like not like fighting, just wrestling. Just like, trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we, we talk, you know, we wrestle. I mean, and he by wrestle I literally mean he's just kicking my ass. You know, um, I'm like holding it and like on my stomach, and he's on top of. It's a me. good way to
0: hold a gun, by the way. Just like yeah. Oh the safest like yeah, just your arms face. crossed yeah. right
1: by your face. Um, the safety so was on. You a... Yeah. The safety was on. I, I had that much, uh, I guess, operating brain power at this moment. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I get the gun and eventually I just take it away and I just leave. It's like two in the morning at this point. Um, so I leave and I call up another friend. I'm like, Hey, I need, I need to come by and stash something at your house. So you know he wakes up i go to his house i stash it he holds on to it and i go back to sean's house and uh sean is just like hey man we can't be friends anymore until you get my property back you got to move out so that's uh, a power move right there yeah so so we had a falling out and i mean and the the, the complicated part of this all is that we work together at the same bar yeah you know so uh I move out and I basically move in and by move in, I mean, literally I take my bag yeah, and I move in with the girl I'm dating. Right. Megan. Um, so I move in with her and things are starting to get pretty fucking toxic between us. Um, like we just, basically all we do is like, we sleep together. We don't really talk that much. There's not a lot of affection or emotion, but you know, it was what it was and that's where it was at the time in life. Um, and then a couple months go by and then, March 10th, um, Sean and I are starting to like patch things up a little bit, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, we're hanging out together at work. We're not hanging out outside of work, but we're talking and, and his life seems like it's getting a little bit better. You know, I'm talking about his classes and he was pre-med and he's telling me I has got like this 4.0 GPA and things are going really. And he, I mean, he really was, he was one of the smartest guys I'd ever met in my life. Um, and he says, you know, Hey, uh, me and my friends are going out to the range this weekend Um, is it, is it cool if I get my gun back from you? So I was like, well, you know, he hasn't been drinking on the job because at this point I was managing the, both of the the restaurant and the bar. Okay. And I was like, you know, he isn't drinking on the job anymore and he's always sober. So I'll, I'll give it back to him. You know, he's going to the range with his friends. I'm going to give him back his gun. And then two days later, um, his sister, it's like 10 PM and his sister messages me on Facebook. And she's like, hey, uh, you know, Sean uh, just messaged me some stuff that maybe kind of made me a little nervous. Um, I don't know if you still have a key or if you guys are still talking, but could you just kind of go over there and and talk to him? So I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'll go over there and and talk to him, you know. So at about 11 p.m., uh, I'm, I'm using my friend's truck. Right. So I'm not driving my truck. I use my friend's truck and I drive over to Sean's house and I knock on the door and I wait doesn't answer but i can hear music playing and all the lights are on so still I knock lincoln on park the door again. That what's that yeah it was still lincoln park Man. <laughs> um so i knock on the door and uh he doesn't answer so I, I get my keys out that i have to his place and i open the door and um i so i, f- I found him dead he'd shot himself oh fuck. Um, yeah so uh for the next like month i don't go to work i was just trashed um both because like i felt and i mean i still do to a degree um you know this overwhelming responsibility for what happened you know right because um yeah because like two days earlier i just gave him back that gun and it's like if i didn't give him that gun he'd still be here if i didn't give him that gun his parents would still have a son you know i Um, mean I, i definitely feel that but uh, when you're in that
0: state i think you would have found a way yeah yeah
1: you know what i mean yeah and it's it's tough you know um cuz he he juggled with depression for a long time and and I, it's just it's hard emotionally to like detach yourself from responsibility um and so yeah i take it super hard um, it's the I, I would say the hardest thing that that has ever happened to me you know for sure um, yeah so you know, I'm a Paul Barrett funeral. And I mean, I, I even have trouble like looking at any of our mutual friends or family, like eye to eye for that whole time, you know? Um, and
0: you know, Do people know that you had have the gun.
1: No, Is not that, like, at this a point.
0: Thing? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, it took me a long time, almost a year before I like messaged his sister and I was like, Hey, like I, I gotta get this off my chest. Yeah. Um, And, you know, of course, like she was like, look, that's not your fault. You know, you didn't do you didn't do anything. You didn't pull the trigger like that's It's not your fault. Um, So anyway, after that happens, uh, you know, the girl I'm still dating, this toxic relationship, Megan, uh, she's she to her credit, man, she was incredibly helpful. You know, she was super supportive and took care of me. She brought me food um, and like which I didn't eat. Like I didn't eat. I probably lost like 12 pounds in like a couple of days because um, i just i just wasn't eating at all i wasn't even drinking i was just drinking water to stay alive and just in my room blind shut darkness all the time and then i think it was april but it was a couple months after that uh megan's dad passes away and he passes away of suicide Fuck. and and up I- I was still so like emotionally checked out and like, I had shut off everything inside me at this point. I'm like a robot. And I didn't reciprocate uh, pretty much any of that supportive That she had behavior. given you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I justified it in my mind because like, you know, she'd always told me she's like me and my dad don't have a good relationship. I don't talk to my dad often. I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, Oh, she didn't even care about her dad. It's fine, man you don't have to mourn or grieve. So she's like, Hey, do you want to go to the funeral with me? Like, you don't have to, um, if it's too hard for you. And like in my, like I knew, yeah, that's probably gonna be too hard for me, yeah. you know? Um, Cause it's just going to remind me of all the shit I just did two months ago. And it's going to throw me right into alcohol. Like I'm just going to dive right back into the machine. So I was like, no, I, I don't think I should go. I probably should have gone. For the uh,
0: relationship yeah but for yeah. your your own thing i don't i think you did the right thing
1: yeah so like um we continue to have, have a falling out we stay together for a like a like a, quite a few months after this all the way up until like august or september okay. um so we had this so like over a
0: year at this point
1: uh almost it's actually because we just started dating in uh, uh september of the year before that okay So it it was just close to a year, just under a year Um, now. So that's April. Her dad passes away. We still have this toxic, weird relationship. And then in July, by this point, I'm like, really like, I should just end this. There's no reason to keep doing this. Um, You know, my my other the friend that I had been storing all my stuff, he like refinished a room and he was like, hey, you can set up in here and this can be a room where you live in. You can just pay the Internet bill until you get back on your feet which I didn't do. Um, (laughs) so July, uh, it's, it's just like two weeks after my birthday, July, it's July 21st and this, I'm bartending and it's like a Tuesday night and this girl walks into the bar and she's got like this tight dress on and a, uh, like a birthday sash on, you know, and she's got like a little entourage and she's very, very cute. Um, And, you know, I'm checked out of the other relationship. So I'm just like flirting with this girl. We're talking uh, and she's, she's so like, just like, you know, you meet a warm spirit in your life every once in a while, you know? And uh, her friend is blacked out, like Jeremy Ricci blacked out. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, So I'm giving her friend water and her other friend is there, this guy I know. So we start sending Snapchats and we're basically like, doing the equivalent of like taking a Snapchat picture of this girl and then like drawing a scene around her, like <laughs> on Snapchat. Um, and I'm sending it to Joe. And then this other girl was like, let me see what you guys are doing. And she's like, Oh, you should send those to me too. Those are really funny. So I'm like sending her these Snapchats and she's taking care of her blacked out friend. She's a hundred percent sober. The only she like, she asked me for that night. She asked me to give, give her milk so she can have it with her cake. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's, it's whatever um but we click really tightly and we're having a lot of fun and like she just seems like a really warm person and then we never talk again isn't She's that the gone. greatest yeah um well i mean i add her to facebook you know we're, we have this like you know not a connection but we're connected that virtually yeah um and then months go by right and it's right around yeah august That Megan and I break up for the first time. So we split up because she wants to go to this wine festival and I'm working two jobs at this point. I'm actually starting to take a little responsibility for life and trying to save up money because I want to buy a car. So I'm like, hey, I can't get out of work. I can't go with you. So we have this huge fight and I go back to work at the bar. I've not quit drinking, but I've quit drinking abusively by this point. And, uh, I go back to the bar. We have falling out. She texts me something. I'm like, man, fuck you. We're done. I don't want anything to do with you. We're fucking done. You know? So then I text my buddy. I'm like, Hey, you should come down here. We should have some drinks, have some food, have a good time. Uh, I'm single now let's do it. So he comes down from Kansas city and literally he's in in Manhattan for about an hour and a half. And I get a text from my now ex-girlfriend And she's like, I'm having a panic attack. Nobody can help me. I need your help. You have to come pick me up. So I go to pick her up and she's having like full on breakdown status, panic attack, like hyperventilating paper bag. Um, I carry her up to her room and, and I'm like, I'm an empath. So I'm like, Hey, do you want me to like stay here to like take care of you? And a lot of it is because like, I'm immediately like, I can't let another person die. Right. She seemed like she was a bad, bad shape, you know, like shaking, crying. And I'm like, I can't. So I was like, do you want me and she's like, yes, please stay here. Please stay here with me. So I stay, uh, we're not really like together, but where things feel like they're, they're getting decent. You know, we're hooking up a little bit. We're hanging out, eating dinner together. And, uh, my brain just something switches and I'm like, make the commitment. This is it. This is who you're, you're going to marry this person. Right. And, uh, she did not feel that at all. Oh you know? man. Yeah, I was like an emotional support pillow, more or less. Yeah. Um, so I think it's uh, at this point, like October. And she's like, Hey, I'm going to go on a little vacation with my friend down to Texas. We're going on a vacation. I was like, Okay. She's like, Will you watch my cats for me? Yeah, sure. No thing. No problem, babe. I'll watch them cats. I got the fucking cats. So I'm staying at her place, watching her cats for a few days. And like she just won't like text me back. She won't call me or anything. And then uh, this is real shitty on my part, but her, I, she had her iPad. So I'm always like on her iPad to like, cause she had a Chromecast. That's how you watch Netflix, right? Pull it yep. up, cast that shit to the TV. And she gets a message that pops up and it's like from this dude. And he's like, Hey, are you going to come back to the party? So of course I was just like, I'm gonna read this shit, you know? Yep. And I find out that, like, she had gone down to Texas to, like, hook up with this dude, you know? Oh, man. And, like, so they were down there fucking this whole time. So, and, and at this point still, I'm like, maybe it's not what you think. Maybe you're jumping to conclusions, dude. Because I just become, like, emotionally dependent. Like, I just had fallout after fallout after fallout. And I was trying to find some stability. So she comes back. And I'm like, hey, how was your trip? Were you fucking this guy? She's like, hey trip was good. We fucked a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I had, uh, like a full on nervous breakdown. Um, like I'm talking like snot, tears, shaking. Um, I couldn't drive. I didn't call my buddy to come pick me up from her house to drive me back to my other friend's house that I was staying with. And, uh, I, it, it gets so bad. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to be alive anymore. I'm just gonna kill myself. You know, yeah. So I, I uh, went to the liquor store and I bought like a fifth of this like Kentucky Deluxe Bourbon, and go home. And i at this point, I went to my brother's house, and I go to my brother's house, and I'm in his, you know, the guest room, and I find this old uh, butterfly knife that I used to have. It's in a box of mine. I dig it out, and I'm just like fucking sitting on this bed, just sobbing drinking and it's like two in the afternoon you know um and i'm like i'm just i'm just gonna kill myself so i take the knife and i put it to my wrist and it's dull as fuck it will not like i'm, I'm like pulling it down and it's not even breaking my you're skin. just hurting yourself you're just yeah like, it's just painful yeah. right yeah. um and in hindsight i look back on that because like at that point i just like i'm like i can't even fucking do this right i can't yeah. even kill myself right uh my brother You know, I think somebody texts my brother. They're worried. He comes in, he takes the knife. And now looking back, I'm like, you know, I don't think I really wanted to die. I think I was sad and I was hurting. But if you have metal and you want to die, you can make it happen.
0: You know, I mean, you could have swallowed it. You know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could. have. I could have crushed it up, snorted
1: too much of that knife. Um, Yeah. You could have
0: fucking got your neck and like punched it. You know, there's ways.
1: Yeah. So like now I look back and I'm like, okay, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. It's what I thought I wanted, but really what I just wanted was for that pain to stop, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted for it to go away. Um, so my brother comes in he takes the knife. He like sends me this long text message, you know, he's like, Hey man, like, listen, I'm here for you. And me and my brother have never been tight. We didn't grow up like best friends. You know, I wasn't a good big, big brother, but he stepped up he's like, if you need to talk, we'll talk, man. But you know, I, you can't do this. We need right. you, you know, um. And I, that just said like flip something for me. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Let's, let's fucking turn this around, man. Let's do it. Um, so I start going to the gym habitually every fucking day. I mean, like obsessively, obsessively, dangerously okay. obsessively. Right. Um, so I go from, uh, 215 pounds to 180 in the span of like, I don't know, 60 days. Um, so like, yeah, so it's like two months, so I'm like, Every day, eat, eating just chicken and broccoli, going to the gym. I'm, and it's a little bit body dysmorphia, a hundred percent. But also, it, you know, it set up this routine for me to like, okay, I have an established routine that I know what I'm doing every day. It's it was the first thing that I had had in a long time, and that was just balance and routine. So it's like the military, practice. probably. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so then. This is probably around, I want to say like December. Um, and I get a message from this girl on Snapchat. And it's the girl that I had met in July at the bar. The one you were sending the pictures to. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck yeah, man. This is amazing. So I message her, you know, I check the message and she's like, hey, do you know Charlie? And I was like, fucking of course, of fucking course. I'm like, yeah, I know Charlie. What's up? And she's like, well, my friend is really interested in him. So I saw you guys were mutual friends. I just want to know if he's a good guy or not. I'm like, okay, okay, let's see what happens here. Yeah. So I tell her like, Charlie's a good day. And we just, we just, we chat a little bit on, on Snapchat. Um, and then it, it grows beyond chatting into flirting. And then we go on our first date and it was all because like somehow we got on the topic of shuffleboard and fucking nachos. Yeah. Now, if you want to know what kind of loser I am, I took a girl on a date for shuffleboard and nachos at a townie bar. Oh, yeah. Like a bar where they have like $4.99 nachos, where it's like just like shredded Kroger cheese Yeah, yeah. on top of, you know, the uh, Santita's tortilla chips with Rotel.
0: Maybe a microwave involved. Maybe
1: not. Oh Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just see, it's literally just a heat lamp. They just let, let it sit there for 20 minutes. It'll get where it needs to go. Yep. Um, somehow she agrees to a second date and then a third date. Um, and we just take it real slow. Um, and I'm like, man, this is, this is changing my life, you know? And so now a couple months go by and now it's like January of 2016. Um, I went back to college So I re-enrolled, I immediately dropped back out of college after that semester. Okay. Uh, But it was because I planned out and you were a part of this uh, for February Laugh-a-Palooza plan. I I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something big to prove that I am capable of something. Yeah. 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 So I set on this comedy festival and you know, the whole thing I wanted to do was just have only independent comedians on it. Um, So I hand curated all this shit and I got a bunch of sponsors and I got a venue on board and we did this big two day uh, four show comedy festival. Um, and it, it was fucking I mean, you were there. It, it was fun. insane. Right. Yeah. I to this fun. day, I still can't believe I pulled that off. Um, and and, you were like a one man operation. It wasn't like. Oh, yeah. It you was and just 10 other
0: dudes. It was just right. Sheer willpower.
1: <laughs> well, because, you know, like I was saying, I sold off everything I'd owned except my laptop and my camera right so and i i knew how to do some graphic design so i like start like i'm just like hardcore every single night i'm on youtube looking up tutorials like brushing back up on stuff and i make the logo i make all the flyers i start doing ad work for social media and i'm like marketing networking and then we had like 150 people show up for that show or something which just fucking ape shit you know i at that point i'd never done a show for more than 20 people right you know and it, it was just so successful um And this, the girl that I was dating, you know, afterwards she came up and she was like, I'm, I'm just so proud of you. And I had no idea at this point that she knew all of the shit that I had gone through. And she was like, this, this is the craziest turnaround I've ever seen a person. Like it's, it's nuts. You know, I'm proud of you. Um, And from there, I was like, you know what, man, I'm not, I'm not going to fall back into that trap, you know? Yeah. Uh, So I quit drinking a hundred percent after this. um, And then Six months later, we were, like, super official. She went off to Spain uh, to study abroad for her, her last – it was her final semester. She was going to Spain. When she came back, she would graduate from college. Um, and she was like, I'm going to move to Kansas City. So, I was like, okay, well, we can try to make some distance work. We'll see what happens. She goes to Spain, and we FaceTime, like, two to three times a day. Okay. You know? Um, we're still, like – everything is – it's just crazy, man. Like, it's so serendipitous that I, like, met this person – during the most toxic time of my life and now things are going well. And she um, like
0: stuck through it. A lot yeah. of times what, what happens is she'll get you through it. Yeah. But she dude.
1: was just kind of around <laughs> yeah. for yeah. the bounce and, back. Dude, and like how crazy. Cause like she saw all this shit happening on social media right on Facebook. Yeah. She like sees me like just melting down into this ball of guard, like dog shit. And of course, like I had the big idea when I had my nervous breakdown um, and I think this was both therapeutic, but also totally unnecessary was to, uh, to write a blog post and then share it publicly about everything that I just said here. Um, like, <laughs> so like Ooh. all of my friends yeah, and not even, and it goes beyond friends, all of my acquaintances. Right. And like, you know how it is when you start doing comedy, you add every single comedian, you know, so now like, 1500 people know that i was a sobbing sack of shit who was gonna kill himself yeah uh so she sees all of this happen and somehow is like i'm still gonna i'm gonna give you a chance yeah you know that's like if you have a dog you go to a shelter and like he's bit 20 people and you're like but i think he can change yeah but it's not gonna
0: be 25 yeah <laughs> you know? you're like it might be 21 yeah. but it ain't gonna be 25
1: 100 percent. so uh yeah, she gives me a chance and she goes to Spain. She comes back and I'm like, so when you move to Kansas City? And she's like, actually, uh, I got a job here in Manhattan. I'm going to stay here. And it like it, that was the moment. It's like, you know what? I'm fucking I'm going to marry this girl. I really am going to marry this girl. But we still took it slow. We dated for another year and uh, we ended up getting married, you know? Oh, shit. That's... And yeah, I know so that's yeah, you know her. And it's crazy, <laughs> man. Um, we ended up getting married. And it's, like, literally, like, I can't look back. Like, I went from literally being homeless with yeah. nothing and, like, hitting all these, like, just down, like, bottom. At, it, it, the thing is, is, like, when you hit bottom, you've never actually hit bottom. Yeah. There's always lower. Bottom is death. That's yeah. bottom. You, well, you, you know? hit a
0: point that you didn't think was possible. Yeah. And so you assume it's the worst. And then, Dude, then it, it's worse. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. You're like, like I, I'm at that point right now. Yeah. Not at the worst point I've ever been, but like, I just got my car stolen. 100%. Just found my car. And then insurance is like, yeah, we don't care.
1: Yeah. There's nothing we can do we about it. We don't that's, do anything. That's about on that. you. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a new car. Oh, yeah. It was stolen. Oh, okay. Yeah. They fucked it up. You found it. Oh, well, you got a car again. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Dude, I was uh, like,
0: I was like, I got insurance on that Monday dude car got stolen on Wednesday and uh I was did like they... I understand I'm the prime suspect here and she's like suspect
1: <laughs> did they refund any of your your deductible or your yes, uh your bucks that back,
0: man? that's three bucks it was like a 78 dollar policy yo that is three bucks back I was like I was like honestly I don't even I'm insulted by that amount
1: yeah, I, I just went like, can you just put that $3 towards an ad spend telling people not to buy your insurance? Jesus. like, <laughs> Never trust lizard people, friends. Don't Man, trust lizard people.
0: I'm, that's how dumb I am, as I just saw the commercial. Yeah. And I was like,
1: let me get my life together right now. Yeah, I mean, you, w- what can you do? Every, if you meet an Australian, you're like, you know what? I bet they're trustworthy. If that Australian is a talking lizard, you know what? That's magic. I'm going to yeah. go with magic. Why would you? And then he promises you just, he's going to save you money.
0: It did save me. I mean, it was cheaper than a good policy would have been, (laughs) but in a lot of ways it sure did cost me a lot.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah, Uh, man, it's, it's wild though. So now I have, uh, you know, I go through all this hardship and now I'm, I'm married. I have a full-time job, uh, you know, flourishing freelancer, you know, and it's weird because I, I think about all this stuff and I'm like, I just, I feel like I'm listing off Instagram influencer bullshit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I thought for the longest that like, this was a unique situation. And after all this, I started like really opening my eyes to, to social movements and societal causes. Not that I hadn't ever before. Um, but like, I was just like, fuck, like I think everybody to some degree is going through this same shit. Yeah. You know, we're all struggling, you know? And then 2020 rolled around. It's like, okay, yeah, for sure we're oh, all yeah. fucking struggling um but that's all good that, man- that you
0: guys like it's good that she was there
1: yeah
0: but the cool thing about what, I, what i'm loving about the story is that it's not like i met this girl and she saved me you know what i mean i know a oh, lot 100%. of guys who are like i met this girl and she saved my life and blah 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 yeah. it's like yeah she's like an autonomous person in this where she's just like she's hanging back a little bit she's like I'm not going to invest a thousand percent till this guy fixes himself. Oh, a hundred percent. But then you fix yourself and she's like, yeah. all right, it's worth it.
1: Oh yeah. Even, I mean, we, we were dating and I say dating, right. We were more or less not like I was her friend for yeah. like four months. You know, we weren't like, we weren't into titles. We just weren't labeling it. You know, yeah. we were just taking it easy. And it, it was, yeah. As soon as she was like, yeah, this is, this is my boyfriend. I was like, okay this is cool. Cause she hasn't, she hasn't sped into it. She has not abandoned ship, you know? Yeah. And she, I mean, dude, she's when I, when I, when we started seeing each other, she was working at the uh, emergency shelter. This is so ironic um, for homeless people. And I was like, Oh shit, maybe I could just stay the night. I am also kind of homeless <laughs> technically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, she just, she stuck it out. We got married and, everything's just been insane in our lives both our lives i mean we we both went from you know she graduated college and was making like twenty thousand dollars a year and i was maybe making 15 you know and now we're 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 kind of comfortable in life um
0: yeah i see a ps5 back there i see what's going on oh
1: yeah 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 that's my that's my one flex man is that ps5 yeah uh, but really, I think the, the most valuable thing I learned through all this was just to invest in myself, you know? Yeah. Um, I'd never taken that seriously. And like, it's crazy because in the army, I was good. I was, I was good at that job. Yeah. You know? And not like when I say that, people get confused when I tell them that because they're like, oh yeah, that dude's a fucking killer. I didn't have a killer job. I wasn't in infantry or a tank or an armor. You know, I wasn't in any of those uh, specific fields, you know, um, artillery or nothing. I was an office dude. That was, that was my job. And I, dude, I had so much shame about that for the longest. Cause people were like, dude, tell me a story about Iraq or something? i like, Oh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like that for me. Um, it's very different. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> There's people no don't... version of call of duty that has what you did, <laughs>
1: but I would play the shit out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was like, and
0: fax this document.
1: Dude, I, I was so good at everything I did. Right. So like, um, in the army, you get like additional duties and shit, right. Yeah. Just extra jobs they give you to pay you nothing extra, uh, which is also part of using that. But I like, dude, at the end of my career, I was the, uh, the army substance abuse prevention officer for my unit. Right. Uh, so I taught people not to use drugs, uh, and drink too much alcohol. I was the equal opportunity officer. Right. So I handled like eo complaints when people were being racist and i taught people how to not be racist um i was the weapons trainer so i taught people how to shoot fucking guns like i was good at a lot of the shit that i did you know and i just was like i'm not doing this anymore and i think that's why i spiraled out was because i went from being like good at all of these things and i mean i if i'd have stayed in the army i would have retired uh probably as like a sergeant major or you know with with really good paycheck you know yeah hundred percent. Um, I would have stayed in way past 20 years and whatever, but I had some things that happened with some people who were very racist in the unit I was in. And I was like, you can't say those things because I'm the guy who's supposed to tell you, you can't say those things. Yeah, And they were just like, "Nah, we don't do that. Or, you know, I'm in the army reserves and like, fuck you, man. So I got out and that's why I had that fallout. I think is I went from a life of stability and routine and proficiency to just failing you know, and and no routine at all, and no and structure. It's, it's you know?
0: college, so everyone's just like,
1: yeah. And it's it's like the everybody's like, dude, when you get out of the army, like, aren't you like always on time and always these things? Like, you are when you're in the army, yeah, because you have to be. And if you don't, like the army, the thing people don't know is the army doesn't fire people, right? When you fuck up in the army, they're just like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna make your life dog shit. Yeah, that's what your life is gonna be. So like you're forced to be those things. So when I got when that leash came off, man, I was a chihuahua with bulldog nuts. I was going to <laughs> fuck the world up, you know? Yeah. And uh I didn't. I I fuck nothing except for myself a lot over and over and over again.
0: <laughs> but you came through. I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like usually the guy that's you in the story, like Does. your death is what spurns another addict or someone to like, all right, I'll, I'll I gotta it. turn it around. Yeah. I gotta get this together. Yeah. Oh fuck. I thought that guy was a tank, you know? And then...
1: <laughs> yeah. Frank, the tank man. Yeah. And God. it's, it's, and, you know, I think one of the things that really, uh, I talked about, I actually talked about this literally today on Facebook and it's weird how memory works. Um, cause I was like trying to go through and, and write all these bullet points out to really talk about this, like this journey and a cohesive story, even if it is, I don't know. Um, But I remember, like, super vividly working at the bar that I was working at, the Cat House Lounge, now out of business. Um, And I'm sure I had nothing to do with that with all the alcohol I consumed behind the bar. Is that Um, the
0: one we played Mortal Kombat at?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was a fun bar. We're, we're, like, fucking puked everywhere. Puked everywhere, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just huddled over. Yeah, that's the bar. Um, And then we rallied and went to Lawrence and party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I remember hearing about that yeah uh, yeah so uh i'm working at this bar and i'm managing it and the bar is like just tanking into the the earth at, at a rocket speed like a comet and uh one of my old coworkers from the, the gym that i used to work with that like, came in to see me and at this this is like summertime so i'm like uh you know everything's happened all the bad shit and then so summer of 2016 um and she just asked me like super plainly she's like how do you like it here i'm like it's good and she says are you happy like that she just asked me that. And of course it was like, Oh yeah, I'm happy. I fucking love this job. Uh, and I, I mean, it was all a lie. Yeah. But dude, I think about that so much. Just like one person being like, are you happy? And like, it just, that's how I got started to thinking about like, I'm really unhappy. Actually.
0: Yeah, what does happiness even look like?
1: Yeah. And I, I, I still think about that all the time. Like it's so, it's so wild because especially since everybody hates each other now, you know, yeah. Like even people who like each other, hate each other. It's just how it is. We're all going to hate each other until humanity collapses. Um, but just for a human to be like, but are you happy? Like that's, that's unheard of. And I think about it all the time. Like it's rare, fucking super rare, you know, and she's yeah. a great person. And uh, yeah, is wild, man. And I, that's why I, I try to ask people now, like, dude, how are you doing? Like, you happy? Like I ask people that when I haven't talked to them all the time, like how you living, man? You happy? Yeah. Things good. Cause it just, people will lie to you everybody will say yes they're not they have to
0: have that moment where they go
1: yeah well
0: i mean this could change (laughs) yeah you know and then it's like well all this shit could change everything could change in an instant that's crazy Round of applause for our guest, Mr. Jeremy Ricci. man. He really pulled through. You know, a lot of times these things don't have happy endings, and and I'm really glad that they do. And some of this stuff, you know, I've been his friend for years. I didn't know a lot of this was going on. So, you know, it's reminding me to be more present in the lives of my friends, which is always a great thing. And, you know, I just want to thank him for coming on the show, sharing... Uh, a gut-wrenching story you know that's tremendous that he would even come on and, and be that vulnerable with us but that's what the show is about story time with brandon we're telling stories if you've got a story you want to tell on the show email me at Brandon's storytime pod at gmail.com there's two s's between brandon's and story time so make sure you get that correct on instagram twitter and facebook i'm at brandon comedy and if you want to see my videos or um perhaps buy an album or two to support you can go to brandoncomedy.com and do that thanks so much for listening i'll see you next week